Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Today, I have Ben Mandel. Ben, how's it going? Great. How are you, Mark? Doing well, doing well. And Ben, um, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself, who you are, what your company is called, or who you work with, and we'll take it from there. Great. Uh, My name is Ben Mandel. I'm a partner uh, with the company of Capital Appreciation Strategies. We represent uh, and market for a qualified intermediary uh, named Escrow Collateral Corporation out of Idaho in um, in what's called a qualified intermediary installment sale with a third-party monetization loan. Okay, great. So today we're going to be talking about an alternative to the 1031 exchange. So with that, Ben, can you go ahead and just briefly exp- explain a 1031 uh, exchange and or DST um, and then get into um, I guess what you're offering is with a qualified intermediary installment sale. Sure, sure. Um, with the 1031 exchange, as many investors are aware, uh, you're able to defer the taxes, uh, the capital gains taxes on your transaction um, and continue to defer those capital gains tra- uh, taxes uh, through uh, subsequent sales by selling a piece of real estate and then within 45 days using an accommodator or a qualified intermediary, identifying a replacement property, like-kind replacement property for that sale, reinvesting the proceeds into that uh, uh, new property, thus deferring your capital gains tax, assuming that that property is equal to or more than in value than the sold property was. Um, you can continue to do that, those transactions, uh, until you pass, uh, ultimately avoiding the tax during your lifetime, and then your heirs uh, or beneficiaries of your estate of that property would receive a step-up in basis uh, on the value of that property when they inherit it, thus uh, minimizing uh, a potential capital gains tax, especially if they were to sell that property relatively quickly. Um, I'm not going to go through the DST. Um, I'm available to anybody who wants to discuss a DST. I prefer not to discuss DSTs. Um, what What I will say then about our process is that our process, different than a 1031 exchange, allows the seller to actually receive the majority of the pro, uh, proceeds from their close of escrow in cash immediately following the close of escrow, typically within 48 hours, to then reinvest however and whenever they choose. Uh, in other words, if they want to reinvest in real estate, they can do that without having the requirement to identify within 45 days. They can hold the money in a short-term investment and then uh, reinvest that money when they found the appropriate investment for them to make at whatever uh, period of time that that is. Uh, they also have the opportunity to reinvest in a non-like kind investment. So they do not have to reinvest in real estate when selling real estate. They can reinvest in whatever is necessary at at the point that they are receiving the money. So they can invest in real estate, they can invest in other assets, they can invest in a combination of both. 
Uh, our transaction provides a 30-year deferral of all taxes. Uh, it also allows you of purchasing real estate with the proceeds to um, to set, to receive a new uh, cost basis in your uh, purchase, thus having the ability to depreciate 100% of that new asset. With the 1031 exchange, that's not that's not the case as your depreciation is carried forward in your uh, subsequent property purchases. Uh, you're not able to completely depreciate as you are using our process. Um, at the end of 30 years. Uh, the uh, seller will, uh, there will be a balloon payment by the qualified intermediary who has set up the installment sale on an interest-only basis for 30 years. There will be a balloon payment that will pay off the monetization loan, which is how the seller received the cash initially. And at that point, the seller receives constructive receipt. Uh, but co according to the IRS, and that's when the tax will be due at whatever the prevailing tax rate is at that time. The seller does not have to uh, wait 30 years. They can advance that um, that payment on the installment note whenever they choose in a minimum amount of one-sixth of the entire transaction up to the entire transaction at any given time that they choose. For instance, if they had a loss in a given year and wanted to offset that gain with the loss that they had, they could advance a portion or all of the um, principal on this sale and be able to offset the uh, tax with the loss that they had in that given year. So those are those are the basic differences between the two transactions. Okay. Um, are there any other... I know you mentioned a few pros right there, but are there any other pros that you would like to add? Um, with the difference between a 1031 exchange and this qualified intermediary installment sale? The, the big deal uh, that uh, I see that I didn't mention already, or at least that I don't recall mentioning, is that it's not a like-kind trans, it's not necessary to have a like-kind transaction. So you can receive the principal on the sale and then reinvest those dollars however you choose. If you don't want to go into real estate again and you want to diversify your asset into other investments, you could do that. Uh, if you want to take a certain, uh, at least $500,000 in boot on a 1031 exchange, we can help uh, help you with our transaction coupled with a 1031 exchange. So the boot portion would also uh, have a deferral as would the 1031 exchange. Those would be two separate transactions but you wouldn't have to pay the tax on the boot portion as you typically do in a 1031 exchange. Okay. So you could go ahead and invest those proceeds into bonds, let's say municipal bonds. And when the time is right, let's say the market shifts and you'd like to take that, that uh, capital out of the bonds and reinvest into real estate, you could do so. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And meanwhile, when reinvesting in real estate, you would be establishing a new cost basis that's fully depreciable. Okay. That's great. Well, let's talk about cons. I mean, there's, there's always advantages, but let's talk about the other side. What are some of the cons um, between the two strategies? The biggest disadvantage uh, in comparing it to the 1031 exchange is that uh, we do not have a step up in basis with our process with the 1031 exchange. If that, if you stay in a 1031 exchange line until uh, passing, 
then the heirs receive a step up in basis in the value of the property that they inherit. Our property, I mean, our um, our process requires a payment of tax at the end of the 30-year period. Um, if you pass during uh, that 30-year period, then you the heirs have the choice of either surrendering the tax at that time, paying the tax at that time, or leaving the asset um, open in in the estate until the 30 years is up. I don't typically recommend that. I don't like leaving estates open, um, but that's completely up to the uh, the heirs who inherit the property at that time. Um, we also help and encourage people to. Um, if they're not, uh, even if they are reinvesting in, in other real estate to work with their financial advisor to create strategies. And there's a multitude of strategies for how the tax can be paid or, or, uh, how the money can be used. So we're, we're available to, um, uh, connect with advisors and explain the transaction so that they can produce the, the best financial plan for the, the seller to, uh, maximize the benefit. Um, so that that's a big difference. Uh, in addition to that, the tax that is paid in 30 years is paid at, at the prevailing tax rate at that time, uh, both state and federal, whatever has been deferred. So there is a chance that that tax rate will not be the same as it was when the property was sold. But again, since you have the flexibility in our transaction to accelerate the payment of the tax at any time, if there's uh, a consideration for a large increase in taxes, um, then they can have the principal paid and pay the taxes before that tax would take effect in the following year. Um, I caution people sometimes because uh, and there's a lot of uh, uh, discussion about what the different parties will do with the tax code. Um, and people are very concerned about um, uh, a, a, an alternate party taking control than is in control now and uh, the tax rates going up significantly. The one thing I caution people to also consider is that the step up in basis could potentially go away at the same time. So it, it's a it's a concern uh, for both transactions and you have to always be aware of what Congress is uh, considering and what, law, what changes they're passing and having the flexibility to be able to um, adjust your transaction in what a, whatever way is necessary to accommodate those changes. Uh, in terms of the step up in basis, if that's taken away, we don't we can't predict when it might be restored. It's been taken away three times in in the history of our uh, tax code. Um, latest was in uh, 2010 for a year. Um, but um, with a change in tax rates, we can pretty much uh, predict that those tax rates will change in perpetuity up and down. So, you know, I'm, you've got to be aware of, of both uh, strategies and of, of tax code changes that can affect both strategies. If an investor is moves their proceeds into uh, or with a 1031 exchange accommodator, and misses their 45-day identification period. And to me, I mean, it's not that hard to identify properties and, and move your equity. Um, although there's some clients that we work with that are very particular on what they want. They want, you know, 2000s construction multifamily in Plano, Texas, and not anything else. Right. So, um, and, and let's say they can't find that opportunity and identify that opportunity. Uh, can you still help an investor with this strategy to uh, ultimately defer capital gains? 
we can and, and what we suggest is that when you get um, two to three weeks out from the 45 days on your identification period, that you allow us to set up the, um, the documentation so that we're able to assume that transaction, assuming you don't uh, have the property identified within 45 days. It also gives us time to coordinate with the accommodator to transfer the exchange to us, um, to our qualified intermediary, uh, understanding that an accommodator isn't required to do that. So you can request that the accommodator transfer to the qualified intermediary. Accommodator does not have to do that. So that's why we ask for two to three weeks to not just uh, get the paperwork completed to do the to transfer the 1031 to us, but also to work with the accommodator in uh, making it um, a, a convenient and beneficial uh, to, for them to to uh, transfer the 1031 to us so that you don't have to pay that tax uh, in the year of sale. What if they identify a 1031 exchange up leg uh, and at 65 days that deal falls apart? Um, they don't pursue that. Can you still support? Yes, we can. We, if, okay. you, if, you, if, if you can't close within six month period, we can still assume the exchange. Okay. All right. Very assuming, good. Assuming, assuming the uh, willingness of the accommodator. Okay. And Ben, what are the, what, what is the cost involved with setting up this qualified intermediary installment sale? There's a six and a half percent fee on the transaction. 5% goes to the qualified intermediary. 1% goes to the lender. And then there's a 50 basis uh, setup fee for a long-term escrow company that we employ uh, to administer the transaction for the entirety of the 30 years. So uh, there is no administration responsibility on the part of the seller. Everything is done for them. The receipt of the payments on the uh, installment note and then the payments to the lender on the monetization loan are all done through escrow. And then the escrow company provides a 1099 and 1098 every year for tax reporting purposes. Uh, the investment interest and the in, uh, investment interest expense and the interest income are offset essentially equal amounts every year. So uh, there's no current year tax. Now there's also a $300 annual fee that's paid to the uh, escrow company for the processing. Okay. And those that six and a half percent, and again, I'm not uh, providing tax advice, but um, most CPAs that we deal with uh, uh, take are of the opinion that the six and a half percent fee is deductible in the year of sale. Okay. Ben, do you have any case studies that you could share of real estate clients? Just kind of the profile of the investor um, and, and really how it met, how, how setting up this strategy supported their goals? I actually have a case study document that I can provide to whoever would like to see it. Uh, the only challenge with the case study document, of course, is that from state to state, the uh, the taxes are different. So right. the case study was actually done in the California market, which is the highest in the country at 37%. But all that needs to be done when looking at the case study is just change the tax rate for the the state that you're in coupled with the federal tax, and then you have the the essentially the same number or the numbers that you need to have for your state. We actually have three different case studies in the document, and I'm happy to share that with anybody who uh, would like to, to have that for their use. Okay, great. 
Uh, Ben, well, I appreciate your time. And I think with that, we'll lead into the best way for the listeners to reach out to you and obtain that case study. Absolutely. Um, I'll give you my email address and my uh, phone number. The email address is uh, macro350, that's M-A-C-R-O 350 at gmail.com. And my phone number is 210-387-9728. And I always caution people who are calling me to please leave a message when they call me because I am on the phone almost all day and uh, typically can't answer a phone call that's coming in, but I'm always good about returning the call immediately when I get off the phone. So don't hesitate to use the number. Just leave a message when you call or email me. I'm always, I'm good about returning emails. Yeah. Emails best. I always say my life is one big phone call and meeting. That's what I feel like. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, great. Ben, thanks again for your time. I appreciate the insight into the strategy. Um, it's something that I came across fairly recently, um, a, a spinoff of this. Um, so it was interesting to learn more and uh, maybe we'll work together on uh, moving my own equity around someday. Absolutely. And I'm always happy to help however uh, you or anybody needs assistance with whatever transaction they're dealing with. Great. Thanks. Thank you, Mark.